Hey, Monarch Nation, before we get to the, today's episode, we'd like to first thank you for pitching in on the Dollars for Diggers fundraiser. With your support, we were able to raise $14,000. Hopefully, we can knock that out of the park next year, but you guys have really raised the bar in 2022. So thank you for your support. We'd also like to give you an update on the show. Over the next month or so, we are going to take a hiatus to refresh and recharge for season two. We got a lot of great things in store and we hope you're ready to tune in. All right, now to the episode. Hello, I'm Keith Gill, commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference and you're listening to The Monarchist. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Isaac Weaver to the show. A beast on the football field, Isaac proved that he can play anywhere on the offensive line. A true Ironman, Isaac only missed one game in his entire career as a Monarch. In fact, he only missed one snap during the entire 2017 campaign, and that was because his helmet just came off. Just like us, the San Diego Chargers see Isaac's potential and sign him as an undrafted free agent following the NFL draft. Isaac just recently completed OTAs and rookie minicamp with the Chargers. Welcome to the pod, Isaac. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Isaac, we know you're from the Georgia area. We know you started football a little bit later in life. What grade did you start, and at what point did you realize you could get a college scholarship out of football? I want to say I started playing, I think I was, it was like the spring football from my sixth grade year. So it was coming into my seventh grade when I finally had my first fall season. And it was a ton of fun. It was something I'd really wanted to play, play mostly my whole life. I mean, all the kids in my neighborhood always played. We always played in the backyard and everyone always said, oh, you got to come play with the team, come play with the team. And it was just something that my mom never really was fully bought in on, honestly. And then finally she, she caved and, and let me play. I'm really thankful for that. But I don't think I really realized I could, you know, keep on playing football until maybe my sophomore, junior year of high school was when our, our coach does a pretty good job. Or my, my head high school head coach did a pretty good job with helping recruiting and kind of preparing you for the journey and kind of setting expectations and, and kind of letting you know what the college coaches who were coming by school were saying and all that stuff. And so I think it's when I started getting a little bit of that, just that I kind of realized, oh, I can actually do this at, at the next level. So Isaac, once you did realize, and you were starting to get interest from coaches and things are starting to pick up steam, talk us a little about, about what that recruiting was like and why you ultimately chose Old Dominion. The recruiting was a definitely an interesting process. It's something you never really experienced until you go through it. And I think I was pretty lucky. Like I said, my coach, did a pretty good job of preparing me. I had uh, the offensive line coach I had in high school. He went through the process himself. <clears throat> he played at Eastern Kentucky and he had a lot of great advice for me about how to handle it and how to, you know, handle the visits and kind of what questions they're going to ask me. And, and he's really just got me, you know, ready to do all that type of stuff. But I don't think I was really too heavily recruited, you know, aside from ODU, obviously they offered me, there was a few other FBS schools and a handful of FCS ones, but I think what really drew me to ODU was, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't heard of ODU until they started recruiting me. And, you know, being you know, from Georgia, it's a little bit of a drive from Virginia Beach or Norfolk area and all that stuff. And <clears throat> it was, you know, a smaller school at the time and something that I just really wasn't familiar with. And so I remember, you know, getting a message from my mom or, or well, it was, I was with my mom, getting a message from Coach Forrest at the time. He's a, he, he was my recruitment coach and 
he was like, Hey man, have you ever heard of ODU? We'd love to get you on a visit. And I told him the truth. I was like, I haven't heard of y'all, but I'd love to come and visit. And when I got there, it really just kind of blew me away. I mean, the campus was awesome. It was, it, it, I think it honestly had the, like an advantage of me never having heard of it because I had almost no, no, you know, idea of what it might be. And so like the first impression I got the coach put on for me and the first impression of, I guess, the students that were on campus then and the area that it was then, it really just blew me away. And that's kind of what sold me on it. It was one of those schools that I just kind of felt like I, you know, if I lost that offer, if they pulled it, if they took some other guys, then I would be pretty upset with myself. And that's kind of when I realized that's where I want to be. Was it clear? Did you, did you know a hundred percent at one point or were there others that were close? It was a hard decision for you. I honestly think looking back at it, it was a pretty easy decision. I think I committed June going into my senior year of high school. So before we even played, before I even played my senior season. And that's, I think that's really just because I, I knew it was, it was pretty a clear decision for me. And I, and I was ready to be done with the recruiting process. And I knew that that was a place that I was going to be happy. And I went ahead and committed. And, I, you know, I never really looked back from that decision. I was, you know, committed 100% until the day I signed. And I was a monarch, and, you know, even, even still today, a monarch, for, you know, for the rest of my life. So. So Isaac, you got to campus, you registered your freshman year. Was that something that was discussed before you committed or during your senior year? Or did was that just something that you just you found out when you got to campus? That's something that had been thrown around. And honestly, the person who kind of prepared me for that the most was my high school offensive line coach. He, you know, having been through the process and, you know, he had a good idea of where I was physically in the weight room and even just like mentally with having to learn a new offense. He was you know, he was very much so prepping me for the fact that, hey, man, you might get there and you're probably in a red shirt. And he kept on like reassuring me. He was like, red shirting is the best thing for you. It is one of the best things that can ever happen in your football career. And so when I got to school, I was kind of prepared for that. And the mentality I took into camp that fall was basically just, you know, I, I, at that point, I really didn't have anything to lose. I was a new guy on the team. I was just going to play as hard as I could. Um, and from what I remember, I played pretty well. And then when they told me I was registering, I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I feel like I set myself up for the future. But in the back of my mind, and they told me as well when I did that, they were like, you're going to develop, you're going to gain weight, you're going to get stronger, you're going to learn the offense. And the one thing that I remember they told me a bunch was, are you going to be better as a fifth year senior or a true freshman? Because that, at the end of the day, that's the season that you trade when you don't redshirt. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'll be better as a redshirt senior. And uh, that was kind of, uh, you know, something that I, I wasn't too upset about. As an 18 year old, it's got to take a lot of patience. And uh, you got to be able to look into the future to realize this is the smarter decision. But I admire you for uh, taking the high road on that. I know a lot of kids don't want to redshirt anymore. And I think it's pretty cool how you took that opportunity and made the best of it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's something that I try and tell guys that we would come get in as freshmen and say, hey, man, like, because, you know, like you said, some guys would get down about it. I'm like, listen, man, redshirting is the best thing for you. And even now, like redshirts, they get to play four games. When I was redshirting, that rule didn't happen yet. So you were, you knew for a fact you weren't touching the field at all. At least when you redshirt now, it's like, okay, well, you can still, you know, get your four games in and you can still see the field and see what it's like. You know, back, back when I was a freshman, we were kind of dugging it out. Especially if you're looking to make it a career, if it's something that's your long-term goal, you know, you want to make it to the NFL, the question that you asked yourself to go, am I going to be better as a, as a true freshman or my fifth year? I mean, that's, that's a mature career decision that I think 
more guys should probably make. And I, I think things are playing out to show that you made the absolute correct decision. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. I think so. You know, I'm happy with where I'm at right now. And, and if I didn't have that redshirt season, who knows what would happen? You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm very thankful for it. And it gave me this past year with, with the team in 2021. And it was, it was one of the most fun football seasons of my life. And, you know, I'm really glad I was able to experience something like that. So let's go back to 2016. So, you know, you knew you were going to redshirt. You were prepared. Your high school coach prepared you for that. So, you know, you got a lot of work ahead of you. You're trying to get your sea legs with regards to taking classes and being a college student along with being a college football player. Was there a particular guy in the, uh, uh, on the team or a particular lineman on that 2016 squad who was influential in your learning process? Yeah, I mean, that, that whole team, it was full of great guys. And really a lot of guys that, that did a ton to, to try and help, you know, mentor all the young guys. Like the, it was, it was not a very hostile place at all. Everyone was very welcoming. Everyone was super nice and able to answer questions and everything. And one guy, I guess there's two guys that I really remember. One of them was Tyler Compton. He was, you know, he, he kind of rotated in and played a good bit that year. He was one of the, like one of the smartest guys I've ever met, but he just the nicest guy in the world. He, you know, I think the first the first plays I ever took in team were with him and he was feeding me the plays like do this on this play because I was you know out there for my first ever time I was completely lost and so he was a, a huge anchor for me and then he continued to be that the rest of the way but the other guy I think that I you know would have to give a big shout out to is, is Nick Clark and him and I are still super close to this day we were roommates actually once I moved off campus and everything but he you know, through his entire time there while we were there together, you know, he helped me out a ton, you know, showed me kind of, you know, how you want to act as a college football player, how you want to, how you have to, you know, all the extra stuff you have to do in order to be successful and just kind of, you know, was really, I think, influential in a lot of ways. So we know Nick is now running Hog Academy. It's pretty cool what he's doing there, training the linemen of the future. Yeah, I, I think he's doing awesome stuff with that. I've, I've been able to, I know he, he likes to have guys come up and help with camps. And so I got to firsthand see how he kind of operates, you know, in that capacity. And he did a phenomenal job. I went to one, I think it was two years ago or a year ago. Yeah, it was last year. And he, you know, he, he runs a great show and he, you know, he, he knew what he was doing and, and all the, all the kids that were there, they absolutely loved it. And it seemed like they all got a lot of stuff out of it. And so, and I know he really enjoys doing that, which, is also a pretty big thing. So I'm, I'm really happy to see him doing so well with stuff like that. So I'm, I grew up playing football. I just think it's cool that they're getting more specialized training now because my my day and age, we went to camps and it was just a football camp. So you try to pick up whatever you could, but there wasn't going to be a, a whole day just for linemen, like what, what he's doing. So I feel like it's a lot more useful for the kids. All right, so yeah. Isaac, you started at five spots on the offensive line. How difficult is the process of learning each and perhaps having to play more than one in the same game? Like, what kind of mentality do you have to do when you're playing guard versus center? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually, I actually am missing right tackle from my game day statistics. That's the one position I never got to play in game. I got plenty of reps in practice. I can pull up the film if we need to, but that's the one game. And the, and the thing is, too, is I remember – talking to coach and he kept on saying, yeah, we're going to get you in at right tackle at the end of the season, you know, like maybe at the end of a game, we're up or throw you in there and, give, and throw you that bone and it never happened. So it's a bone. I still got to pick with him about that. Cause 
you know, he, he's not sticking to his word about that. So, you know, that's something that, that bugs me a little bit. But to your point, to your question, it is something that's pretty difficult. I think it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily realize that each position, you know, you look out and you sort of field and to most people, offensive linemen are just offensive linemen. They're interchangeable and it doesn't really matter what position you're playing. Center is the same as left tackle, is the same as right guard, is left guard. And in reality, it's, they, they all have, you know, there are differences, you know, even as basic as the stance is, is different and the, the angles that you use for your sets. And that changes a lot of stuff. And it's something that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thankful. I think that I've been able to play all these different positions. And I think it goes, I think it's another credit to my coaches who've, you know, kind of prepped me for that and told me, Hey, you know, they, they saw that I had the ability to maybe do something like that and said, Hey, we're going to take advantage of this. Like, we want you to be able to do all this different stuff. And, but like, you know, mentality wise and everything, I think once you learn the plays, especially being as old as I was in this offense, because it was something I mostly did this past season was, was all this swapping across the offensive line. I think just the fact that I, you know, I, I, I played as much football as I had and I had all this experience that they kind of trusted that, okay, he knows what he's going to do wherever he goes across this line. So we can kind of put him in there. And then it was all, you know, you got to prepare you know, and learn the different techniques. And at the end of the day, like it's the same techniques. It just changes a little bit here and there, depending on, you know, the angles you're using and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of the tough part, but it's something that, you know, is valuable. And I hope that it's something that can, you know, keep me playing football for some few years to come here. So Isaac, center is a much more cerebral position than a lot of folks might realize. Often referred to as the governor of the offense. It's so important that rules in what happens along that line. Everybody sees the quarterback. You know, the quarterback is the sexy position, looking all over the place, making calls, pointing at different things. You don't realize how much is actually happening at that center position. Can you tell us a little bit about all the pre-snap responsibilities that a center has? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so like you said, the center is, I, in my opinion, a little bit of a underappreciated position. You know, maybe I'm biased because I've been playing there for two years, but you, you know, you ha you the center is definitely he's the you know the composer, I guess, of the offense of the offensive line. Like whatever he says is going for everybody, and everyone's assignments are all based off of you know where what he says is what we would call it ODU the key. So that's the I say that's the main responsibility of the center is you have to be able to sit down and ID the defense and let everyone know based on this play, this is the, the the key that we're working off of. And that sets everyone else's assignments and responsibilities. And you also need to be able to change change things when when situations arise. I mean, if, if the defense is showing a certain blitz look, it's really on everybody to be able to change the play. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, the burden usually falls to the center. He does have, he's sitting right in the middle. He's got a better view of everything than everyone. Now, obviously the tackles can see the edges of the field much, much better, but at the end of the day, they can see, you know, defenses will bait you into stuff. Like they might be showing something on the play side and in reality it's coming on the backside, but like, you know, you don't, you can't see that at one side. You can only see that from such a central position. And so those are the big ones. And really just the biggest thing is making sure that everyone's on the same page. We like, there's, there's a saying, I feel like that goes around football all the time that the worst thing, you know, the worst thing that can happen is, is half the line's doing one thing, half the line's doing the other. Like if, if everyone is wrong, but they're, they're doing the wrong thing together, you got a good shot of being right. So 
as long as like I make a call and all five of us do the same thing, like something good has a better chance of happening comparatively to if I, you know, I say something to the left side, they're, they're going left and the right side's going right. And all of a sudden no one's blocking the, the defensive tackle sitting in the middle. Like that's a recipe for disaster. So. So if you're in a situation where it's, it's really loud and it's tough to hear anything, give us a little bit of an insight as to what that looks and feels like for you guys. It definitely makes things challenging. And I remember we were playing the first time we played in Lane Stadium playing against Virginia Tech. I guess that was 2017. That was one of the first games I played in. I was still a young guy playing tackle. And I remember lining up next to, next to the guard I played next to for so many years, Tony Barnett, a great guy. And I remember trying to get a call from Nick, who was at center, and I couldn't hear it. And, I mean, I was leaned over, and Tony and I were screaming basically in each other's ear trying to figure out the call. Because, like I said, like, we needed to know that information, and that, that's what made it tough. And the other thing that becomes difficult is trying to hear the snap count, which when, when we're, we were in environments like that or when you're in environments like that at any level of football, you start going to silent counts. And so it really is just based off of the center's kind of whenever the center wants to go, you know, and it's so – that's, that's a different thing. That's something you got to practice and get, get used to, but it really just boils down to when you're in that kind of environment, it's over communication, over communication, you got to make sure everyone gets those calls, but it definitely makes things more difficult. But at the end of the day, you kind of got to figure it out as you go. And I guess use a little bit of intuition. If the center makes a key and you know, the game plan, like you, you know, like, okay, I know what everyone's doing. I can, I can do my assignment now. It's, it, it comes back to that preparation. So Isaac, you kind of let us into our next question. A year later, after that game, we had a pretty great one in Ballard. Why don't you tell us what your favorite memories were of 49-35? Yeah, that was that game was a ton of fun. I think the one thing, I mean, that whole game was was crazy. I mean, I just remember Blake coming in and, and doing his thing and being so incredible, like player of the week and everything for the like national player of the week. It was nuts. And it's something that you love to see happen for a guy like that. Cause Blake is such a good dude, you know, but I think the one, the one memory that sticks out to me, I remember I was living with Nick at the time and we, we were going out right before, right before Jeremy ran that last touchdown to put the score up to 49. And I guess we didn't, we didn't really need to run, run that play there. I like, we, I don't think they had timeouts. There was not a lot of time on the clock. I don't remember the specific time, but there, it, it, like, the game was like, wrapped up and done and so I remember we're walking out on the field and they just told us like hey we're gonna run this one play like it was it was basically just like we're going out with a bang we're gonna run this one play here you get one they told Jim you got one shot at it and if not we're just kneeing it down and uh, and I just remember going out there with Nick and he, he turned to me he was like hey man like like this game's done like we won this game and I looked up at the scoreboard and I was like yeah you know you're right man we really did win this game and it was just it was one of those things that were, that was like the moment where it finally hit, hit me where I was like, oh, we, we actually did this thing, you know, because it's like coming in 0-3, you know, they're the 13th team in the country coming to, coming to the home. And it was just, I don't know, that was the moment that finally hit me. And I, that's probably the one memory I'll, I'll probably remember that forever. You know, what's interesting is I think it hit y'all the same time it hit us. Because we're in the stands watching this thing, looking at each other going, oh, my God, we're going to win this game. Uh, it would be interesting to have cameras on people in the stands and ha have cameras pointed to the two of you guys at that conversation because I, I bet it was quite the same. And uh, Jeremy did truck a couple dudes on two runs that uh, are nice to watch every now and then. Yeah, he definitely made the most out of that one opportunity, I'll tell you that. So, Isaac, we know 2019 was a rough season. There's no way to really say it softly. It was 
you know, time to make a change in the December coach Ronnie was hired and then COVID exploded and derailed the whole 2020 season. Let's talk a little bit about that quote unquote COVID season. Can you give us some insight into some positives, some negatives and anything interesting that came out of that season? Yeah. I mean, obviously the big negatives we didn't get to play football. I mean, that one hurt. It hurt everybody. I remember, we, I remember having that fall camp and it was the weirdest fall camp of my life. I mean, it was, we, our team was divided up into like three groups and they would go, we would go out for an hour at a time and the coaches were out there for, for all three periods and we would do special teams in between. So like the first group would practice special teams with the second group and then the second group would practice and then they'd do their special teams again with the third group. I mean, it was one of the most insane practice schedules I've ever seen. And it was out of necessity, but I remember when we got told the news we were in a zoom and it was you know it's camp so we we have all these team meetings regardless so having a team meeting at night wasn't weird but we get into the team meeting and all the coaches are in the in the zoom because we were zooming we didn't meet in person so all but all the coaches were in there and then you start seeing like oh like dr seelig's in this meeting that's weird like that's not supposed to happen like this if it's a team meeting you know he doesn't go to those like we usually talk about football stuff and he's usually you know he's got he's got his athletic director stuff to do but I remember having that having that meeting and then you know them telling us the news and then you know it was just it was one of those things where you, it was kind of tough to believe and at the time we thought you know we thought everyone was going to cancel shut down by the end of the week and then that never happens and then you sit there at home and you have to watch you know, watch all these teams play football, do, do the thing you love to do. And that, that's tough. Like that was definitely a little bit brutal, but I mean, looking back at it now, there was definitely some good stuff that came up. I think it gave the team a big edge going into 2020, 2021. I think it, I think it grew us closer as a team than, than a team I've ever been on. Like that was, that was probably that 2021 team was one of the closest teams I've ever been a part of probably the closest. And I think it's because we went through, you know, that type of event together. And we had this thing to kind of rally behind. And then I guess like the interesting things that might've happened. So we ended up, we did end up getting to go on the field. And so we got like 15 practices. So we basically did spring practice in the fall, which is different, you know, but it, I think everyone was just pretty excited to get out there and actually get to play a little bit of football again, even if it was just in a practice capacity. So I guess like the interesting thing is it kind of felt like it gave, you know, practice and new light at least uh, for me, it did like in the past, like practice was always, it wasn't like a bear, but you know, it wasn't necessarily the, Oh, like it's the most fun thing in the world. Like sometimes, sometimes practice is a drag. That's just kind of the reality of it. Like everyone loves playing football. They love it. And they'll tell you like, Oh, football's the best football's the best football's the best. But like going to practice every day, sometimes, you know, it, it can get a little monotonous. So I think having that taken away and then letting us go out there, and then getting to go out there and, and be on the field, even if it was just to practice, was a blessing. So I think it kind of gave practice and put football into this big perspective. Like, this can really be taken away at any point, you know, in your life. So we better appreciate it for, you know, while we have it, while we know we have it, because you never know what's going to happen. Well, it's, it's good to hear you guys had that mentality, because you guys could have easily went the other way where you lacked the motivation to really – go at it while you were out there because there wasn't the game to be prepared for. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And the thing is, too, is I think I think that gave us a good jumping off point to get into that spring ball because we had, we had our spring ball for the previous season canceled. So 
that fall, if you like, if you don't count those three, you know, fake fall camps we did, which I, I won't count because that, you know, we didn't get to do and we didn't even get to run plays and team. That was the first time that we had ever gotten on the field with Coach Ronnie and his new staff because we had spring ball canceled. So we've really just gone through a, a winter workout cycle and then went home for months. And then we came back and did three fake practices and then we got sent home again. So like we got to go out there and we got to kind of understand how he likes to run his practice. We got to understand his, you know, his style of coaching and all of his, you know, all the whole entire coaching staff, how they operate and how they like to do stuff. And it really gave us a ton of, you know, background in that offense and defense. It really let us learn and kind of marinate in that. And I think that helped a ton when we got around to playing games because, you know, even though it was our first season with Coach Ronnie and, and, and that whole staff, like we'd really been in that system for over a year, which I think helped us a lot. So as, a, as one of the few guys that got to play under Ricky and Bobby, you have a kind of a different perspective on things. Why don't you talk to us about Bobby and his leadership style and how he was on and off the field? Yeah, I mean, he, Coach Wilder, he's the guy that recruited me. You know, he, he was one of those guys and, you know, he, he's a guy that, I, you know, I owe a lot to because he, you know, he helped get me there and he, he got me to a, a great place in my career. And then he, he actually, you know, him and Coach Scott, I remember when they left the team, they were, they were one of some of the guys that were encouraging me to stay at ODU. They wanted to see me you know, remain there and they wanted to see me help, you know, the, the, the new team kind of like, you know, just come back and come back stronger, which I'm super thankful for. And I'm super thankful I ended up doing that, but you know, he was, he was a guy that I, I think I did, I definitely learned a lot from. I mean, he, I was elected a team or he made me a team captain in 2019. And so he kind of started showing me, you know, the ropes about this is kind of, you know, like it sat, sat me down and was like, this is kind of what I think, you've done well, this is what I think you can improve on. And I think that's something that's super valuable, you know, for anybody, especially for me when I was at such a, you know, turning point in my career where it's like, you know, you need to be able to sit down and look and say, I do this well, I don't do this that well. Let's work on these weaknesses and try to become, you know, better, better in, in, in everything. But I think, you know, he, he did a really good job, you know, with the start of the program and, and, and you know, taking it as far as he did. And, and I do owe a lot to him to, for helping me get there and, and, and you know, being in the place I am today. So at that point, obviously there was a transition. Coach Ronnie was hired. And like you just mentioned, Coach Walter and Coach Scott, they talked to you about their opinion that you should stick around, that you should stay at Old Dominion. At, you know, in the current landscape of college football with a portal, it's not uncommon for a fifth-year senior who is as skilled as you are and has a lot of FBS teams that would love to have you for over. Can you talk to us a little bit more about, obviously you had to meet Coach Ronnie. You had to meet the staff. Tell us what solidified you staying and and not going for another opportunity. And then talk to us just like you did about Coach Walter, about Coach Ronnie and, and kind of what it's like playing under him. Yeah, so like you said, I, I, I met with Coach Ron. It was right after I graduated. I think it was the day I graduated. Right after I got, you know, done walking across the stage, I went over to the facility and sat down and, and got to meet him for the first time. And, and, you know, we sat down in his office and he told me, you know, his plan for the team and why he thought I should stay. It, it, I mean, honestly, it kind of felt like recruiting a little bit again, where it was like, you know, this is what I imagine for the team. This is what I imagine is your role on the team is going to be. And 
this is, you know, I think you should obviously he was like, I think you should stay here. And this is what we're going to do when you do stay here. And I think it was that meeting that really solidified it for me that this is the place I'm going to be. And like, there's a, there's a big, big part of me that didn't want to leave, you know, a big part of me didn't want to leave because, you know, it, it, ODU felt such, felt like such a, it was, it was such my team. That's what it felt like. It was, you know, I, I was obviously like, you know, voted a team captain and, and I, I felt like, you know, I didn't want to leave all my friends and, and all the guys, and all the people that, had, you know, trusted me to become a leader. And then obviously that built on top of the fact that, you know, Coach Ronnie believed in me so much to, to, you know, tell me his, his plan for the organization and kind of his thought process behind it and, you know, hearing everything and, and hearing what he, you know, his, where he knew that this program could go it really sold me and made me realize there was, you know, maybe I could have transferred and played somewhere else and one game somewhere else, but it wouldn't have felt the same to me, you know, even, you know, to, you know, to go win 10 plus games with a team that I had just transferred to comparatively to winning, you know, the six that we did here, it just, I don't think it would have been quite as rewarding. So we, you mentioned it, the six games, how did getting to that six win feel after the one win season and then the the rough start to even this year. Yeah, I mean, just just getting the six, it was it was a great feeling because obviously, like y'all mentioned, it like twenty nineteen was a really rough season, one of the one of the harder ones I've had in my career, and going from that to then having the season canceled, like we just talked about, it was kind of like a double whammy. It was like, so not only did we not you know, play well in 2019, but we didn't even get to get a chance to per se redeem ourselves. Like we were out there, like, you know, getting kicked, kicked in the teeth twice. So that like that building on top of each other. And then, like you said, we start the season one and six, one and one and five, however you want to say it. And it was again, not, not necessarily looking great. Like the, the feeling around the building wasn't all, you know, sunshine and rainbows and, and so when we finally started to win some games, you know, we get the Louisiana Tech game and then we get the FIU game, we get a road game under our belt. And it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, we're not in a bad spot where we got three games left. And like, like there's, you know, there's still hope, you know, there was like whispers of, oh, you know, if we win three more, you know, you know, we got six wins, that's a bowl game. And so, but no one was really saying anything, you know what I mean? Cause it was all so one to know, one to know, one to know. But then, you know, we finally, and obviously we had some awesome games with the FAU and middle 10 and, and everything, but then you finally get to the end of that Charlotte game and, and, you know, you look up at the scoreboard and had that nice big win and, and the, you know, the scoreboard up there said bowl eligible. It was just, I don't know. It was, it was a great feeling because, because all the stuff that we'd been through as a team was, you know, like, you know, we get knocked down and get knocked down, we get knocked down. We finally felt like we finally kind of got back up and get, got, you know, got our swings in. Yeah, it had to feel validating. I mean, in Harry's article, you wrote about how you believed in Ricky's vision for turning the program around quickly. And going to the bowl game first year, that validates your belief. That's It was awesome to watch. I will say, though, when you guys were struggling at the beginning of the season, we saw the difference in you guys from the jump. We were down there at Wake. I'd never seen an O-line from ODU play with such a mean streak. It was awesome. I've never seen an ODU defense hit that hard before. I mean, it was – the progress was there. It's just we weren't seeing it on the scoreboard yet. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, I do think that there was, and there was a lot of stuff where, um, I don't know, sometimes in football, you know, the, the ball just doesn't quite bounce your way. Like the Buffalo game, like there, there was just a few times where the ball just, it didn't quite bounce our way, you know? And, and as a credit to our guys, like, I mean, we fought so hard the entire game and it, you know, shows with having a second half comeback like that. And at the end of the day, it doesn't, doesn't really matter because it's a loss is still a loss in that, you know, in that win-loss column. But I think just the fact that we were able to get to that point, because I think that there were probably some teams in the past that being down that much at that point, it would have just kind of thrown in the towel. We wouldn't have even given our, ourselves a shot to be in the position we were, you know, to tie the game with, with that little bit of time left. So I think even, even like you said, like the results might not have been shown, but I think that if you really watch the tape or watch the games, like, like you were saying, like you get to see in a person that there, it was a different team on the field. And I'm, I'm very, I, I, like you said, I'm validated. I feel like I'm validated because we got the results. Like we ended up being able to figure it out and it clicked and we, we got those results. And at the end of the season where you're, you're not sitting there saying, Oh, this is a team that's almost got it together. Well, it's like, no, that's a team that almost had it together and then did get it together. So it, it's something that's really cool to see. What's even more impressive is how young you guys were. I mean, you were such a young team and the coaching staff is such a young coaching staff. And like Mike said, we could see the progress early on, but then when you turn the corner, it went from you guys like, we just can't get over the hump. We can't get over the hump to we're over the hump and no one can pull us back to the other side. So it was, it was really cool as fans to see such a young squad just you figured out how to win and then you didn't know how to lose anymore. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, the team, the team was extremely young and that's, I guess that goes back to the, the other the question y'all had a, a little bit ago where like, what was a positive for not playing in 2020? Well, it's the fact that all those guys who were so young that contributed so much to our team in 2021, they really got a ton of experience, like practicing against, against we, we practiced against ourselves a bunch so they, they had like they were young guys and they, they definitely were but you know they at least had it like you know a year's worth of college practicing experiences and obviously games are, are different they're faster but they'd at least seen you know what college football can look like in some capacity so they they were coming out there obviously games are different you know adrenaline's pumping and you know you got fans in the stands and it's all a little bit different but they still had a little bit of time of true real development so like while we were super young absolutely in the in the sense of not having game experience but those weren't necessarily normal freshmen like the, a lot of those guys were second year freshmen which i think was a big big help to us so as as we all know now you're with the chargers and you've been through rookie minicamp and otas so how do you think odu has prepared you for where you're at now i really do think that odu gave me a really good base to to, to go into the nfl i feel really confident in my Football knowledge ability, I guess you'd say. One of the things that my offensive line coach the past few years, Kevin Rainier, he would he would always say how 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 similar his you know the way he teaches and some of the schemes he does is to the NFL. And you know when you're sitting there in the meeting room at the time, you're like, yeah, well, yeah, whatever, man. I'm sure it is. But I guess after you know sitting in the NFL meeting rooms and seeing how they do install it and, and teach all the stuff and and how some of the schemes kind of translate over, I kind of sit back and realize, okay, like. I could, I could see the stuff on the board and think, okay, like this is, I've done this before. I've seen this installed. Like it might be in different verbiage and it might be taught a little bit differently, but it, it is kind of, you know, similar. So it's not like I'm going there completely blind. I think another big thing, so I got I to gotta give a shout out to him, but another thing that I think really prepared me really well was our strength staff 
and you know Deej, he did Deej and the whole and all those guys. I guess you know they're at Virginia Tech now and everything, but or some of them are. But I think having that, having him come into the program when he did in 2019 was probably one of the you know biggest things that that, that changed my career for the better. Um, he, you know, I think I can I can speak for I think a lot of the guys on the team. I hope I can with this statement saying that he completely changed, you know, the culture and, you know, the mentality of a lot of guys and also just the, the bodies of a lot of guys. Like, I mean, we, we gained a ton of muscle. We got a, a so much stronger. And that's, I think that's where a big, you know, a big part of getting ready to play at the next level comes from for me is the fact that I, I feel like I'm physically able to perform with these guys. And I think that's a huge thing. I think those two things combined, like the fact that I feel like I, can, I came in, you know, ready to learn, with a base knowledge of some of the stuff they're going to be teaching. Plus the fact that I feel like I'm physically able to perform with these guys, you know, it gives me a really, really good, you know, you know, base or hopefully an easier transition. It won't be an easy transition, but a smoother transition, you know, into this next level. So Isaac, you've mentioned being physically ready. Hey, you had an incredible knack for staying on the field and being healthy during your old dominion career. Do you attribute that to, that physical preparation what or something else i mean injuries injuries happen in football and so at a point you know you kind of get a little bit lucky when you play that much football but i think that luck is is very very small when it boils down to it i think a huge part is being strong enough and big enough to play, especially at a position like offensive line. I mean, you, you know, you're hitting somebody every single play. And so if your body's not, like, I guess like, you know, like they're just saying like weak things break, like you can't, you can't really be weak and play anywhere in football, but especially on the offensive line. And so I think having that, you know, base strength really helps. And then like the other thing too, is, is, is just kind of learning how to take care of yourself. So like we talked about earlier with like, you know, people who might've helped me out when I was a freshman, well, I, like all those older guys, like Nick and, and all them, like they kind of showed me like, you got to be able to spend time in that training room because it pays dividends. And that's something that I think I carried out through the rest of my time. Like, you know, getting in the, the hot and cold tubs, doing some contrasting, or if you have like a little, little injury or a little ding up come up, you got to go into the training room and, and, uh, and, and see them and, and make sure that they can help you out. And so like, especially in my last season there, our athletic trainer, we have one of the best, probably the best athletic training staff in the nation. They do a, a phenomenal job. Like with uh, Justin Walker, he is a great guy, but he also is amazing at his job. And he helped me a ton, especially in my last season, staying on the field. So, you know, it's about utilizing your resources in the weight room and getting, getting strong enough to play. And then it's also, you know, utilizing the tools they give you with the training room and, and making sure you're doing prehab and rehab and, making sure you're using all these different tools for recovery. But the, I mean, and that's something that I think a lot of young guys can learn a lot from. And I think that they did because honestly, the, the, the tubs at ODU were never as busy as I've ever seen them than they were this past season. I mean, it was, it was hard to find a spot in there, which I guess if you're complaining about things, that's a good thing to complain about. It means everyone on the team cares about their bodies. So, so Isaac, one of the things that a lot of pl football players talk about when they go from, high school to college or college to the NFL is a change in speed. Uh, how was that transitioning from high school to college? And then I'm not sure if you've really had it challenged yet with many 
minicamp and OTAs, but how does that process go? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think the, I think the, there's a huge jump between high school and college. I remember, I remember my first camp and I, like, I remember that I was, how I thought I was doing and everything. And I remember looking back and thinking I was doing pretty decent. Like, you know, I was, I felt like I was keeping up with everything, like a little bit, like because the bullets are flying. But then I look back and I watch, I, I remember there was a, uh, like, if, if I ever went back and watched that film, I think I did at one point in my career where, where I was probably like, you know, I was a few years removed from that first camp and I was like, I wonder what that looked like. And I, I went back and watched it and I looked like a deer in headlights. I mean, I, I couldn't set right. I, I was running around like, I didn't know what was going on, but I think that was just because like everything was that much faster. I mean, it's something that I just don't know if I realized at the time where, you know, you don't even, you don't even know what you don't know. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, it, it's a completely different game. And then, and then obviously you get, you know, you get used to the speed and then you start learning and everything slows down. And then eventually like the game feels slow, you know, and it, or it feels like normal speed. It feels like it's very comprehensible, you, you know? You expect how everything's going to move. You can see it coming before it happens and everything like that. And that's when I think football gets fun or super interesting. Or it gets more fun and more interesting because, like, at that point, you're kind of, like, you're looking at the defense and they're, they haven't moved yet, but you're like, oh, you're lined up like this. Like, you know, you might as well just move down here right now because I know it's going to happen anyway. You, like, you know, save yourself the effort. And then as far as, like, going from college to NFL, we haven't done a ton of full-speed stuff quite yet because they've been, you know – keeping a light on us but i'm expecting there to be you know just as much and even still like doing the drills and everything like i think the best way to describe it is like in college i was one of the bigger guys i was you know on the offensive line or on the team in general but i go out to practice now and you know everybody's my size you know everybody is insanely strong everybody is super quick and so you know it's it's just like it, it you know it goes from you know you're playing in college at this level it's it's just taking that next step and, and seeing how, you know, cause I mean, they're, they're, like those guys out there, they're the best in the world. You know, like there's, you know, there's, there's, there's all pros on this team that I'm playing on. And so it's like, these really are like the best people in the world at this, at the thing that they do. And it's, it's kind of crazy to watch them, you know, practice and see how they operate. So Isaac, when you were going through the undrafted free agency period, how many teams did you end up talking to and, what was the interest level like? And then how did you make your selection? I talked to a handful of teams, but the the team that was always the most interested was was the Chargers. And I guess like, so I made my decision. It, it was because this the, this was the team that was the most interested. They, they had done their homework the most by far. They, they talked to me a ton during the pre-draft process. And then once it once it came down, you know, down to it, uh, there was them and there was, there was a few other, you know, offers on the table, and I, but I was talking to my agent and we, we had just kind of like, you know, gone into this knowing that the Chargers had done their, mo they had done their homework on me the most. They had, they had clearly shown the most interest and, and we examined, you know, the, looked at the roster and, and kind of saw where I, I, where I might fit in and, you know, seeing what they were kind of needing and, and it, all the pieces just kind of fit together really well. And then, you know, since I've been out there and gotten to see how they run their organization, I am super thankful that I am because I think they do a, a phenomenal job of running it. Just the way that, you know, the way that they do things is it makes a lot of sense. And, and, and you know, it, it, to me, it looks like a team that is going to be extremely good over the next few years. And I'm, I'm happy to get a chance to be a part of it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting to 
have a chance to play with such a young gun like Herbert. Also, you get to go and practice against all these all pros on that defensive line. I mean, those guys are loaded on defense. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, there's just, you know, there's, there's, there's dudes everywhere is a good way to put it. And, and so like, it's, it's been super cool to see, see all these guys and, and you know, go to practice with them and, and be in meetings with them. And like, especially just in, in the room I'm in, in the offensive line, like there's, you know, Corey Lindsley, who's been in the league for 10 plus years, he's an all pro high speed center in the league and, you know, getting a chance to learn from him has been amazing. Like I'm super thankful I'll be able to do that. And he's been very welcoming and, you know, willing to answer questions whenever and, and help me out with technique. And then also having, you know, right in it, right, right over there at left tackle with the Rashawn Slater. And he's, you know, I think all pros a rookie and it's just kind of crazy to see how, you know, how these guys work and, and what they do. And I think there's, you know, a lot to learn from them. All right. So let's have a little bit of fun. Let's talk about a little bit of non-football stuff here real quick. So can you tell us about a hidden talent or something interesting about one of your old Dominion teammates that fans would never know about. Ooh, a hidden talent. Let me. I gotta think about that for a second. Let me think. I mean, we got guys. I feel like all. I feel like a lot of guys on the team had a bunch of stuff that they would do in their free time that, like, would impress a lot of people or just like they wouldn't expect. I feel like we had a few guys who would sing or rap throughout my entire time on the team. But I know, like Isaiah Spencer, I think he does a pretty good job with it. I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, hmm. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the stuff, like, I, I, you know, in my time there, I remember playing a ton of beach volleyball out in out of the Whitehurst courts over there near the near the river, I guess, near those dorms. And we had some, you know, like everyone was just kind of like, you can kind of get by in that game with just your athleticism, you know what I mean? And just like the technique necessarily wasn't always there for a lot of guys. Like we probably would have, I don't know if you can foul out in volleyball, but they probably would have done that. Like, the volleyball team probably could have come over and te- taught us a bunch of lessons, made our games a lot better. But we had a bunch of guys that were pretty good. And one of the guys that pretty, he might have been, you know, one of the better ones out there was Hayden Wolf. I think, you know, growing up in Florida on the beach probably helped him out a little bit. But he had one of those serves that like had that, you know, downspin or whatever it is, made it a little hard to handle. And he's, you know, he's, he's, I feel like he's sneaky athletic. Like he'd get up there and be able to spike the ball back and stuff like that every once in a while. So I, I probably put him up there for something that people might not guess. Continue with the fun questions. All right. So we ask these questions of everyone that comes on the show. Favorite restaurant on campus and off Norfolk or, or Hampton Reddits? Okay. I think my favorite restaurant that's just kind of around the area, it's pretty close to East campus, is No Frill. I mean, I went there a ton. There was many a times that the whole offensive line for, for ODU was out there for, we would do like Thursday, Thursday night was like our position dinner. Like we would like, it was just like player organized. We'd go to like different restaurants all across the city and stuff like that. But I remember we went to no frill more than probably any of the other ones, especially this past season. That that's gotta be my favorite on campus. I think my, my favorite on campus is Pete Franks. I mean, you really can't go wrong with that. Like they got, they got all the cheapskate plates so you can eat on a budget and everything like that. It's easy to go in. It's quick. And it's just like, it, you know, it's a good spot. Like that, that's probably on campus is the best, but no frill for me takes the cake out of all of those ODU, I mean, Norfolk area restaurants. Yeah, you really can't go wrong. There's something on the menu for everybody at no frill. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing too. Like, you know, people would come from out of town and it's like, well, what, what type of food are you feeling? Well, 
it doesn't really matter because they got everything like you can't go wrong and it's not like it you know breaks the bank either like it was ne it's never really that expensive there but like like on one of those questions like i'm an offensive lineman i love to eat like i could probably talk about norfolk restaurants for an hour straight alone because there is like I, that's probably the most underrated thing about the city is the is the fact that it's got i think it's got some of the best food in any city i've been around like it's the restaurants around there are awesome like that that's that's probably one of the things i miss the most about being around there honestly is all, all the good food well with that i mean i you might as well give us like your number two and number three are you pretty passionate about it <laughs> and uh, isaac i will add that our, our listeners this is some of their favorite stuff like my brother-in-law he says i'm waiting for the food segment every time and he gets excited to listen to it so the longer you spend on it the happier you'll make him Oh, shoot. I hope I don't disappoint with these next ones. Then. That's a lot of pressure y'all putting on me. But I guess there, there's one restaurant. It, it's It's got a special place in my heart because it was so frequently visited. And it's something that I feel like it's almost a legend uh, on ODU's campus with the students now is Oro Azteca down Military Highway, the, the Mexican spot. I mean, that's one of probably the most frequently visited spots of all the ODU students. And it's the best. Like, I mean, they've got the fastest service I've ever seen in my life. And it's also great food. I mean, and the other thing that we love about it is it's big portions. Like we're, we all go and it's a bunch of big guys. Like, so they get huge portions that are out super quick. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Got to give a shout out to them. But one place that, that I really love that's probably up there in my top five for me is, I mean, it's got to it's got to be up there with the uh, volcano's a great spot. You know, all you can eat sushi again. Going with the the big portions, you can eat as much as you want. That was that was a, a football football player's dream in, in school. But there's a place right near that Bangkok Garden. I absolutely love that place. Oh yeah, that Thai food is mm, good. Yeah, the Penang curry there is is some of the best I've ever had. That is one of the best spots, and that's another spot you like. That not a lot of guys, at least on the team, knew really knew about. And so you could you could show them to be like, hey man, like you want some Thai food? Maybe I haven't heard of Thai food. Like, yeah, trust me, you're gonna love it. Like, you know, you can come here and they again, big portions, like pretty affordable. Like that is a top tier spot in Norfolk. Well, you've landed yourself in another great food city. Uh, if you haven't been yet, you need to go to Grand Central in LA. It's a foodie's dream. You can try, they have little stands for everybody they got mexican food they got asian food it's it's awesome yeah absolutely grand central i'm gonna have i'm definitely gonna check that out i've been looking for a really good spot out there you know doordash and has been trying to doordash a little food every now and then it's it, it's tough to find you know you're just going off the pictures online so good to have a good recommendation like that so i read somewhere that you taught yourself how to play guitar watching youtube dude one did you bring your guitar out to san diego with you and then two, what are some of your favorite things to play? I didn't bring it out there with me. I, I you know, I got on a plane, I checked one bag. I didn't really know what I would need, what I didn't know. I figured I wasn't gonna have much time to, to you know, mess around. I, I, we did end, end up having more free time than I imagined, but still, it's something I wish I would have brought out. But I'm a big country music fan. And so I play mostly the music I like to listen to. So I, I play a lot of country music. Like one guy, like probably my favorite artist right now is Tyler Children. And I try and play his stuff, but the thing that's tricky about that is he is such a good guitarist that like, I mean, his, his talent for that absolutely dwarfs mine. So like every time I try and play it, it's like, oh man, this sounds like crap. Like I really wish, you know, like maybe I should spend more time doing this, but uh, you know, he he's, he's, he's got some really good songs. I love playing, but I've always had that kind of mentality where it's like, if I hear a song and I think it sounds cool, I'll, I'll, 
I'll be like, yeah, I could try and play that. You know, sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, but it, it, it's something that I just kind of find a lot of, you know, stress relief from like, it, it's, it's like one of those outlets in my life. That's not football because most of my life is football. So having one of those things that like is completely separate where the two really can't ever get tied up is very nice because it's just like some, a way to forget, like, you know, decon deconnect for a second, disconnect for a second. Speaking of disconnecting, when, when you were at Old Dominion, if you had 30 or 45 minutes of free time, which you probably didn't have often with your schedule, but if you were on campus there and you had just a little bit of time to get away and disconnect and kind of just, uh, you know, have yourself, where on campus would you go? Oh, uh, I mean, the easy answer is you got to time it up right, but you go over to the Whitehurst Beach area or even the the street, what, what would it be like 40, 49th, I think it is. It goes all the way down to the water. Those areas are amazing for catching the sunset. So like talking about like disconnecting and kind of like, taking a step back from everything and, and, you know, relaxing for a second. I mean, the sunsets over the water there are absolutely beautiful. And I, it's, it's a spot that like, it's all every night. I feel like it's got a ton of students out there and a ton of people who's got, who've got the same idea. So I guess if it's popular like that, you know, it's probably a, a decent, you know, a decent recommendation or a, a decent idea to use. But uh, that was definitely the, the, the place to do that. All right, Isaac. So if there was something you could share with a recruit or maybe a family member that's considering Old Dominion, what would it be? Just one thing. I guess it would be, I, I loved how I think ODU is an extremely, extremely different place, especially from where I grew up it is it is very unique and it has a ton of culture and it is its own entity. Like, I don't think there's really a place like ODU anywhere else. And I think that's the best thing about it is you're going to get an extremely unique experience if you go there or when you decide to go there from even, even having like the proximity to everything, I think is another thing that makes it huge and also adds into that that great diversity about it is the fact that you've got so much different stuff around it. You've got the campus, obviously, which I, which was awesome. I love that campus, especially because like, it's, it's a campus that like it it's, it's big enough to where, you know, you, you, you don't feel like you're in the same place the whole day, but it's also small enough to where you can walk. No problem. Like I had a bunch of buddies who go to SEC schools and stuff like that. And they live there. It's in like, they're like, yeah, I got to walk uphill like 30 minutes to class. Like, yeah, that sucks for you, man. I got, I got a flat straight shot to my next class is 20 minutes away. Like that's nothing, you know? So like, that's a big part of it, but even you've got downtown Norfolk so close, which has so much to offer. Like you got the food down there, like, and even like the part I miss a lot right now is the fact that summer around there is the best. I mean, you've got all those, like, you got Harbor Fest and, and a, a Cajun Festival and all that stuff that they do downtown in that waterside area. And you got like Virginia Beach that's so close, like, which was a ton of fun in the summer, like, because we were there the whole year, you know, so we would, you know, get done with our summer workouts on Friday and then we had the weekends off. Like, what else are you gonna do except go down to the beach and have a good time? So I think the accessibility to all that stuff is is incredible and it, it, it like really added a ton to my college experience. And I think it would add a ton to anybody's college experience, really. As a country music fan, you had no limit on country concerts in the area either. So I'm sure that that was a big plus. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. Yeah. They have a patriotic festival downtown or down in Virginia beach every year. It was awesome. I had some 
great times going to those. I know obviously they have the, the Norva and everything like that. Like there is, and even the amphitheater down there at the beach, like there's just, there's just a, a ton of different spots to go. Like there really is like, if you can't find anything to do down like in that area, it's really on you at the end of the day because there's no shortage of opportunities. And they moved the Patriotic Festival to Norfolk this year. Oh, was did that, they? Yeah, it was at Waterside. Yeah. Oh, I bet that would be awesome, too. Yeah, I mean, they, shut, they put the stage on Waterside Drive. And oh, they shut okay. that street down for the whole weekend. Yeah. I bet that would be a ton of fun. It, it was always cool having it on the beach, but the, the worst part about that was, like, it was kind of a hassle to get down there and back out. You know, at the end of the day, it was a little bit of a drive. Down, having it downtown, is, that's pretty awesome. So, Isaac, I'm not sure if you you know much about the Monarchists, but we started kind of as a tailgate group, and then we kind of morphed into a fundraising group, and now we have a podcast. But the fundraising part is the most important part to us. At the Oyster Bowl every year, we have a Toys for Tots fundraiser. We're currently raising money for the baseball team with Dollars for Dingers. And in December, when you guys made it to Myrtle Beach, we helped the school send students down to Myrtle Beach so they could attend and support you guys. So, you know, we love charity. We'd love to know if you have a favorite charity or a few that you like that you'd like to talk about. Yeah, so, like, first of all, like, the stuff you're all doing is awesome. Like, I, I know everyone really appreciates that, and it's, it's some great stuff. The I guess the, the one the one cause that I'm not, I'm not sure if it's, it's still going right now, I really hope that... If it's not, it continues to do so in the future. But we we actually started a Blair mentorship project or a program where we were, you know, and we partnered with the the middle school, Blair Middle School, and we're helping to mentor those kids that, that go to that school. And that was, I was a part of that. A bunch of our players were parts of that. And it was a ton of fun just to get to, you know, interact with those kids and 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 try and make a positive impact on their lives. The, the unfortunate thing was it was, happening during like COVID kind of got mixed up with it all. And so it was kind of like, it made it difficult and then, you know, code regulations kind of threw a wrench in the plan, but that's, that was a, you know, a program that I really love doing. And I know that other guys on team love doing as well. And so that's something I hope that, you know, can get back up and running over at ODU. Cause I know there's a ton of guys on the team that would love to do it. And I think it would also have a huge impact in that community. Isaac, obviously you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. A lot of new things, a lot of great opportunities. What's the future look like for Isaac Weaver? Well, my, I mean, I guess my goals are to play football as long as I possibly can. That's, you know, it's, it's what I've done for a long time here now. And, I, you know, it's something I really don't don't want to stop anytime soon. So, I, I, you know, doing everything in my power to, to, continue to continue to do that. But I do kind of in the back of my mind, I guess, have – inklings of of coaching at some point in my life i think that's kind of the, the next step i want to go down i guess football is just a game i love so much i don't know if i could see myself really stepping away from it fully but the big thing too is i've had so many like i've had so many positive coaching figures in my life that have helped me do so much like they've, they've helped me a ton in life they've taught me a ton and it's something that i kind of would like to get it back in a way and kind of, you know, do my part, pay it, pay it back. Cause you know, I owe a lot in my life, in my opinion, to sports in general and especially football. So that's something that like, if I'm able to do something I love and also something I think could help, you know, people a ton, I think that's like, you know, in my mind, a perfect match. So I guess like, hopefully that's way down the road, you know, like, you know, 15 years and I was, you know, retired and made myself some money, but that's kind of, 
I guess, where I see myself venturing out to at some point in my life. Other than that, you know, I'm just kind of hanging out, trying to take it day by day. Like those are obviously the big plans, but you know, you'll want to know every day as, as, as coach Ryan would say. So that that's kind of the mentality I'm carrying with me right now. Well, we love to hear it. Uh, we know with your experiences, you, you'd bring a lot of new things to coaching and we think you'd obviously kick ass doing it, but we don't want to stop seeing you play football either. So uh, thank yeah. you for joining us today, Isaac. It was awesome. We wish you nothing but the best. We hope the best for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, thank you very much for having me. I really do appreciate that. And like, I wish you all the best of luck and, and, and everything y'all are doing here. Like, I really do think what you're doing is awesome. So like, please, please keep up the great work, guys. It's, it's good stuff. Awesome. We will. We'll be watching you. We'll be keeping track of what's going on. And uh, hopefully you'd be happy to come back and talk with us sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. All right. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.